Hey everyone, this is the Everyday Leader Podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today I speak with Hussein Kiari from Nairobi, Kenya, who has 10 years of experience in health tech and insure tech. He has a generalist background with experience in business management, administration, project management, finance, and people management. Hussein is currently the special project lead at Pula Advisors, a company that is radically restructuring agricultural insurance and has operations in 16 countries and entities in four countries. Hussein holds an MBA from Strathmore University, a bachelor's degree in business management from the University of Sunderland. He also holds other professional certifications in business management, project management, and as a chief of staff fellowship at On Deck. Hussein is a passionate generalist with experience and knowledge in core departmental processes and a focus on executive and leadership support, expansion, and process improvement. I've also had the privilege of working with him, and I look forward to chatting with him now. Welcome, Hussein. It's great to have you on the show. I have had the pleasure of working with you in the past, just a short overlap of our our time at uh, Pula. I know you're still there and you're doing great things and growing professionally as Pula also rapidly expands. So really excited to chat with you today. Uh, Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Definitely excited to discuss about uh, the topics we have in line today. Awesome. Now, uh, your official role is the special projects lead. And I noticed that you have uh, also held, you know, project officer roles, office manager roles, and you're doing the chief of staff fellowship program at OnDeck. So th- there's a bit of a through line I noticed in your career, and I'm wondering if you can kind of take us back to you know one of your earlier experiences where you really noticed that you know leading projects, helping run offices, how that you know became kind of a, a point of motivation and where you decided to move in that direction for your career and how it's going. I can say from the beginning I've always struggled to find a focus of what I really wanted to do. I knew I always wanted to be in a corporate world, uh, put on that suit and get to work every morning. Even in my academics, I, I wasn't so sure what I wanted to do because I wanted to do a little bit of everything. Um, so I tried to shape my career in a way that I always do one or more one or more things, work across teams, work across departments, and have a multidisciplinary academic record. So a bit of everything. Um, in my earliest experience, uh, like managing a team uh, was maybe five years back when I was heading uh, the project's office in one of Kenya's largest uh, healthcare companies. And in that department, um, I was alone. I didn't have any juniors, nor did I have a senior that I reported to. So I'd report directly to the CEO. At the time, as I, was, I was about 26 years old. And um, I had to, to, to find a, a style of working, yeah, because uh, we had these big projects. Uh, with big deliverables, and I had to uh, work with uh, cross-functional teams. Uh, other times, this team will be with managers at my own level, or it could be with uh, operational staff from other teams, or with internal or external um, team members. And um, it's it was kind of unconventional uh, for me because I had to manage all these different circles of people that did, I did not have direct authority over. And um, I had to push through the agenda and ensure the project team uh, deliverables were met. 
I think at least in the U.S. from you know where I'm from, people don't want to see themselves putting on the suit and going to work every day. So I found that interesting that that was something that actually you had a mindset for, uh, and you you kind of strive for that and and have been doing that. And so w- with that role that you were describing uh, in terms of leading leading a project where you didn't actually manage anyone. Uh, but you kind of reported to a top leader and you had to spearhead some large projects. I imagine, you know, having to push forward projects and not actually have direct management of people can be quite a challenge. Uh, How did you navigate that where you essentially needed to go to people who are, you know, more senior to you and and kind of nudge them to uh, help collaborate uh, in pushing that project forward? How did you grapple with that, given that it was so early in your career? Well, um, it, I quickly learned uh, very early that I had, I had, had to work with uh, some sort of collaborative mindset. And uh, you don't have authority over people, but you can get people to buy into what you want them to do. So I had to foster relationships with people I had to, of course, um, help them when they needed uh, assistance from me and that, uh, ensure that when I needed assistance, they'll be there for me. So I invested a lot in maintaining and growing these relationships and finding a collaborative balance uh, all through. And I, I, I find people to be inherently good. And uh, most of the time, if, if, if you're able to be on good terms with people, it's, it helps and they will be able to assist you. So. I took on a collaborative approach with people uh, who are senior to me and who people who are uh, at the same level and people who are a bit uh, lower in the in the in the, in the organizational uh, uh, framework, and I managed to get uh, things done. And uh, to go back to your previous point on putting on the suit, I think that's how uh, my career started. That's that's a vision I had at that point. You know, I was still young, but that has rapidly uh, changed after I've left the corporate world. Your LinkedIn photo still has you in a suit, but uh, I'll take you for your word that uh, you, you evolved your view on, on career building. But you, you mentioned around you know, building relations and, and assuming the best in people, and that helped you, you know, foster collaboration at, at this past uh, company that you worked for. It seemed to, to have worked for you and, and continues to. I'm curious if there was any you know, tactics or strategies that you tried early on that didn't work for you. Yeah, actually, I think the, the collaborative aspect plays into my personality uh, uh, trait because um, I, I happen to be a, a yellow hat uh, from one of those personality tests, and I, by 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 disposal, by nature, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a friendly person, and uh, it wasn't much of a trial and error um, process. It was me playing to my strengths. You know, it's like, hey, um, this has always gone well, and to date, it's the same process. You know, uh, being collaborative, seeking um, 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 uh, diversity in opinion and in- inclusion. So it's it's always been playing to a strength, not not a child and error process. Well, that's uh, definitely uh, helpful to you know be self-aware and kind of lean into that. I remember when I was in college, I was hired to be one of five managers uh, who oversaw a student-run coffee shop, and you know, I had my own niche, which was the you know pricing and, and business side of things, and the other managers were working in, in different other parts of the business. And we started off the year 
doing one of these uh, you know, personality management style uh, assessments and comparing results. And that was one of the first times I had done it. And you mentioned uh, you had taken one and, and you called yourself, uh, I think, a yellow hat. Uh, and I remember they posted the results in front of the the five managers and I was very different from everyone else. So uh, I was a bit skeptical and a bit, I felt a bit alienated, um, but mm -hmm. I ended up uh, like you did kind of embracing that and uh, helping me come to the, the group, you know, uh, meetings and decision-making conversations, you know, uh, recognizing that, you know, I have a different, collaboration style and a different communication style and just kind of embracing that and making the most of it uh, in terms of you know, bringing diversity to uh, the, the decision making uh, and just, you know, thinking about how we can make the best decisions together, given that everyone has a different approach. Um, have you ever, I'm curious, you know, you are very self-aware, but have you ever found yourself uh, clashing with others that maybe don't? Uh, want to take that collaborative approach? Um, yes, um, I think I think over over the career over my career, one thing I've learned is how to actually uh, fine tune my my leadership style. And sometimes you realize it uh, to be that self aware in a way to know when my default setting will not apply here. I will not get the results that I want to if I go as myself. And one thing uh, that I've learned throughout my career journey and through uh, maybe doing my MBA is um, knowing when to pivot, right? Because uh, sometimes you'll find people who are uh, uh, maybe a bit more demanding or they're not going to play, that don't, don't play well with others. So you need to pivot and you need to, to be aware that, hey, I need to approach this in a different kind of uh, direction. So about instances where um uh, people don't play well and you have to completely pivot and be and be a bit more uh, demanding and uh, not try to seek i don't know how to say it but maybe not try to seek the, the uh, a win-win situation because this this person either wants to have um, a different approach or a different outcome that is not favorable to what you're trying to achieve so every once in a while um but it's not more often the case this approach will work, and you quickly have to be aware, pivot, and approach in any relevant way that will give you the results you're looking for. I really like that concept and how you've linked uh, the pivot to your collaboration or your engagement with an individual or a team. Often I think about pivot from a startup perspective because I'm running a startup and mm -hmm. you want to essentially pivot uh, early and frequently until you uh, find product market fit. Otherwise, if if you don't pivot uh, fast enough, you kind of run out of uh, runway, so to say. And uh, I like how you've you know used that analogy also and applied it to working with individuals and working styles. And uh, it's definitely uh, you know great to recognize when when an approach or a relationship is not uh, working in the professional sense and and you know, being, you know, open and clear that, you know, we need to make some changes for this to work. Uh, so it sounds like you've you know, built up that muscle in, in recognizing when uh, something's not working and, and being uh, straightforward uh, to to address that. Um, so I want to fast forward to now you're, you've been working at Pula for uh, close to three years now. Uh, and we did cross paths uh, for some time when I, when I was there. 
Um, can you tell us maybe a bit more about what Pula does uh, and how your role contributes towards its mission? Yeah, sure. Um, Pula, Pula is an insurance and technology uh, company, and it provides comprehensive uh, insurance solutions with a mission to protect and improve the livelihoods of smallholder farmers. And um, I can just give a context. Uh, since inception in 2015, Pula has insured over 727 million USD in value for over 4.9 million farmers in 16 countries across Africa, Asia, and uh, Latin, Latin, Latin America, that is. And um, Pula is definitely a leading organization in the, in the region with regards to agricultural insurance. And such organizations that are trying to break the mold and incorporate technology into traditional business, it requires some vision, visionary leaders. Yeah? And uh, that's where my role connects to the mission by being uh, the right hand to the founders. I closely work with uh, Rose Gosling and Thomas Njeru, uh, and I help, the, uh, help work with them in the executive leadership to um, form and implement processes, strategies, establish organization performance metrics, and track progression. And uh, my role also goes into a stakeholder management as I'm a liaison to the board and to the stakeholders of the company. And so you were originally uh, brought on as a business manager and you, your role has then shifted towards a, a special projects uh, broadly. So what was that uh, evolution in your role like? What, what fostered that? Uh, was it uh, based on need or based on um, what you were able to bring uh, day to day uh, with with the founders Rose and Thomas, uh, who you know uh, from my from my experience are are very uh, inspirational and very hands on as co-founders, and they work uh, really well together uh, and really show up in, in kind of divide and conquer in a lot of ways. Uh, so I'm curious, you know, you you were in one role for almost two years, and then you've you've shifted. So could you maybe? Um, talk us through how that role evolved and, and how you uh, manage that process. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I, when I joined Pool as a business uh, manager, and uh, I was clearly uh, heading or managing three, three, three or so departments, uh, part of finance, uh, HR, and admin. And um, I would manage all these functions uh, by, by myself, and it uh, quickly beca became quite a tasking challenge uh, for me. But I managed to keep the, the, the ball rolling for a couple of months, and uh, we, we, we grew. The company started growing, and uh, we started um, spinning off uh, some of these departments. So meaning we'll get somebody to head, to, um, to head out the, 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 the people ops function, which is a HR function. We had a senior accountant and a finance manager and spinned off the finance function. And um, I was left mostly playing uh, towards the admin and some of the uh, business operations functions. Uh, so this, this was just a, a clear uh, line of growth uh, that the company is scaling and we need to have more um, focused leadership in these roles because it's not just a matter of keeping the boat afloat is a matter of specialization, and I've always fancied myself to be, to be, um, to be a generalist. And as the business grows, you don't want a lot of generalists; you want specialists to head up some of these functions. So um, I, I was a business manager for about um, one year, 
and then um, the, I think the between me and uh, the founders, uh, especially Thomas, realized that hey, this guy could actually uh, be of a strategic value if we have him in the executive team and to actually uh, work or be the extension of the founders with the management with the rest of the company. So I transitioned from a business manager to a special projects associate. And from then on, I reported to, to, to Rose and uh, we worked together for about a year. Then I was promoted again to lead the special projects function. And uh, I started building the team. And I've just uh, over the past two, three months, I've had my first associate that you're working with. And it's overall, it's been an amazing journey because you know, being a generalist, and I think you were brought on at, at almost the perfect time because you were able to, you know, like you described, you know, function by function, you know, look at it, spend some time in whether it's finance or HR or admin, you know, make sure it's, you know, up to speed for the direction and the uh, scale, uh, you know, velocity that Pula was on. And then once you you know, had everything in order and you had someone in place who was a specialist for that kind of move on to something else. Um, and I guess that from what you've described, you, that spun well into playing uh, the special projects role. And so did you mention, do you oversee other people in this role or is it more of uh, this kind of liaison coordinator role? Um, actually oversee uh, about someone, I have one team member an associate and uh, into the future looking to have maybe one uh, add more maybe one or two more and we have i have a special projects associate who's based all the way in uh, in nigeria and we've been working uh, collaboratively for about two three months now and it's an amazing experience uh, for the first time i have somebody who directly reports to me and for for the most part i still work in uh, collaborative teams with other people as a liaison so uh, whenever we have a project uh, that needs to be done, of course, I have to gather resources in terms of skills and expertise within or um, externally from the organization to achieve some goal. So you mentioned that this was the first person you kind of directly managed in your career, right? Yes. Was there anything that surprised you about uh, what is involved with the day-to-day -day management of team members? <laughs> yes, uh, it, it was interesting. Um, you know, uh, it's I've never really thought about it from a manager's point of view when there's a lot to be done and you know somebody's actually tired. Uh, they've been pushing it, burning the oil throughout the night and uh, we have this urgent request and you, 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 you're confused whether to keep pushing them to get the results or actually letting off some sort of the food from the gas pedal and letting them take a breather. So finding those balances was a bit hard. And even when seeing somebody is overwhelmed and you have to kind of step in and try to now manage emotions, manage expectations, it's, it's been quite a change for me. But um, I've been lucky to, to, to undergo some, some training, uh, in house training on how to, to be a good people manager. And of course, uh, from other sessions I've done outside uh, work. So I've known how to preempt some of the situations and try to play out. It, it is you know, tough because when you manage someone or manage a team, you, know, you are in part responsible for you know, those people's you know, uh, personal sustainability because you do have some influence on you know, how much work and in terms of advocating when we need to slow down a bit. For me, when I would 
manage teams was that the more staff you have, the more, you know, uh, responsibility you have. So, you know, when you hire your first, you know, one, two, three people, you think, oh, this is going to really help and you can delegate a lot of work to them, which you can, and you can achieve a lot more, but it's definitely a lot more work because you have to do your own work and you have to make sure that you're managing uh, these other people. Uh, and especially in the beginning, the you know, first couple of months when you onboard them and you align on on working styles and uh, making sure that expectations around quality and performance are aligned, uh, definitely a lot of upfront work and effort. Glad to hear that uh, things are going well for you uh, in, in this journey. Um, I wanted to touch on on how Pula has adjusted to the times of COVID and remote work because this was, uh, you know, um, when I was with Pula, it was uh, some time before that. And I know Pula was already, you know, a very international team. I remember calling into weekly um, leadership calls from Zambia or Malawi or wherever I was uh, in any given week. And so there was, you know, a pretty uh, robust process that allowed people call, to call in from from uh, anywhere. But uh, there was, you know, you guys have an office uh, in Nairobi uh, and you have uh, some different call centers in different countries that you pop up. So from, from the business manager perspective and the special projects uh, perspective, how ha has that uh, impacted your role what types of challenges did you face as you helped the organization navigate those turbulent times? I'd like to believe for Pula is without knowing we were actually building for, for this, how the operating model of Pula works was somehow inclined to, to, to allow for remote work. So it wasn't such a great shift. Um, maybe here in the Nairobi office where people would come to the office physically, but uh, having running remote teams in, in in Nigeria, in Malawi, in Zambia, and then having uh, operations in many other countries in Africa, uh, <clears throat> we're always used to working in uh, remote settings. Right, so we establish the cadence of meetings, uh, uh, the weekly leadership meetings, uh, the departmental and team uh, meetings, one-on-one -on -one, uh, meetings, and all this um, would feed in uh, to to remote work. So it wasn't quite a great shift for us. And we were quickly able to pivot and just uh, stop coming to the office and, and uh, still get things done. Um, of course, from the beginning, we had uh, a kind of a go slow because, you know, uh, transport uh, work requires a lot of, of flying in and out of countries, having a lot of foots on the ground. And um, that's where we met some challenge in the beginning of the, of, of, of the pandemic and uh, the close of borders. And quickly, we, we actually did something that we had never done uh, before. And we started doing um, the training, the numerator training and the, the regional managers training virtually, meaning uh, we'd sit here and coordinate a virtual training, something that previously we do physically and incur a lot of costs in flights, hotels, conferences, and all this to fly all over uh, halfway across the continent and train people and ensure they will go and um, do the activities as required in the field. So we tried a virtual way of doing this uh, trainings and it, it worked with incredible results. 
um, meaning if you have the right people, um, the medium of training wasn't really a factor if the content and the people are, are, are of course up to task. So that's, that, that was our experience in trying in uh, uh, changing or adapting to the COVID situation. Sounds like in general, you, you had it you know, somewhat easier than other organizations who it weren't really built as, as remote first, like you mentioned. I think that was in part because Rose and Thomas were always on flights flying everywhere. And so they had to you know, think about calling in and making systems uh, be, be resilient in that sense uh, and glad to see that some of the remote training uh, approaches ha have worked out well. Um, I'm wondering if there are other uh, examples of, of kind of projects that uh, you as in your, your special projects uh, role uh, have implemented recently that you can uh, share with us to give us a sense of the type of you know, project that you might spearhead in your current role. Okay, cool. Um, in, the, in this year, we've had uh, two uh, special projects and I can just uh, highlight one. And one of it was uh, creating a process of the customer journey, the fuller customer journey, and trying to see like, um, how, 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 how do we get, um, how do we get more how do we get clients and walk them through the entire uh, process to the end? And uh, this this was something that uh, initially uh, the founders would do quite well, but we needed to pass this institutional knowledge down to the people who are actually are going to do the sales for the company. And as the company is scaling, of course, uh, as you mentioned, Rosa Thomas would do quite a, quite a number of flights and live on planes. But you see, that is not scalable at the end of the day. We need to have more uh, commercial people out there replicating the same, the same uh, business process, the sales process, and trying to achieve the same level of success. And uh, so we started a journey with, uh, with the Fuller founders and uh, some external people on creating and establishing the, the, the Fuller customer journey. And this led to us um, creating something called the deal review board where and the deal review process where um, the commercial managers or commercial team who are out there looking for a prospective businesses for Pula uh, would go through the a deal review board and the board is a panel comprised of different um, um, uh, HODs and stakeholders in the company and they would pitch the idea so it's like internal pitching of an idea and with poke holes and with um, uh, uh, give support and give advice, and we'd have either Rose or Thomas in 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 in, in the board. And this whole process um, involved me now creating and writing down the entire process document, about uh, maybe uh, ten plus pages of a document, creating uh, 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 the other uh, forms that would be used through the entire process. And now we're trying to look to automate this. So when you talk about uh, special projects, most of the time is something to do with improving the effectiveness or the scaling of the company. Got it. The, the deal review board sounds uh, quite interesting. Is that process uh, you know, focusing mostly on you know the B two B clients that you work with uh, right before you decide whether or not to actually move forward, or is this earlier in the in the pipeline when you're looking at maybe new opportunities to, to pursue uh, actively? Well, it's, 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 it's a combination of both. 
before we enter any deal into the pipeline. It has to pass this rigorous test. It has to go through uh, the deal review board. So of course, um, uh, uh, the cadence of this will be that the commercial manager would will have the discovery stage. A deal is discovered. Uh, some research is done to it. And then uh, there are certain steps that need to be met for us to say this deal is now not in the, in the research and discovery stage. It's in the identification stage. And from there on, it's taken through uh, quite a, a number of uh, pipeline stages. And each and every, for each to move from one stage to the other, it has to go through the deal review. So and most of this, of course, is B2B uh, clients. So it's a combination of both. Um, it's just ensuring we have a more solid and more predictable pipeline. That definitely sounds like a great me mechanism really to have in place to make sure that all of the teams are on board so that you don't end up pursuing the wrong uh, types of clients. Uh, so I, I wanted to uh, also ask you, because I, I saw you uh, recently started the on-deck fellowship program with their chief of staff uh, specific program, which sounds very exciting. So. Can you explain briefly what On Deck is all about and, and what your chief of staff program uh, focuses on and, and how you came about uh, pursuing that opportunity and how it really contributes towards your own future potential growth uh, at Pula? Okay, great. Um, on, Deck, on Deck has been amazing uh, so far and how it all started. Um, we have uh, we have one of our partners in in in, in, in Pula, and uh, one of the chief of staff was invited to join the program, but he was transitioning from his role to work in an international organization. So he wrote a recommendation to Ondek, like, "Hey, uh, this this guy Hussein uh, works on this for this company it might be a good fit." So they reached out. We did some uh, chats, uh, interviews per se. And uh, they extended to me an invitation to join the fellowship after we've discussed what I do and what I'm looking to achieve in the future. And it's so far been a great experience. Uh, on deck, the, the, specifically the, the chief of staff fellowship brings together very, uh, quite a number of chief of staff. I think in my cohort, we're about 100 plus uh, chief of staffs from big, big companies like uh, Uber, LinkedIn, Udacity, and from growing startup series A companies like Pula. And uh, we they use various methods of, uh, of just uh, creating value such as, it's mostly peer-to-peer -peer driven. Uh, so there's facilitator-led sessions, uh, there's peer-to-peer -peer activities. Uh, what I like most about it is something called the mastermind sessions, where they pick um, a group of eight uh, chief of staffs and uh, they bring them together and you meet bi-weekly and you get to discuss anything that you want to discuss of value or um, to pertain with your day-to-day -day work. So imagine having the knowledge and the bandwidth of eight chief of staff all over the globe trying to solve your individual problem uh, bi-weekly. So it's, it, it's, it's great and it's sharing of knowledge and resources and um, how does that shape in? Special projects and chief of staff uh, can be used interchangeably in other organizations because at the end of the day, it's about support of the principals, of the, all the founders of the company. And um, I took this because it, uh, I took the course because it leads to what I do. And I seek to uh, bring maximum value to my principals and help them achieve their goal, their goal and the goals of the company. So it's, it's, 
been about maybe a month and a half of um, since I started the chief of uh, chief of staff fellowship, and it's been an amazing experience. And yeah. Well, and, and with the on deck fellowship program, you essentially uh, are able to continue to get uh, benefit from that beyond the program itself because you become a member of their lifelong. Uh, learning community. Um, yes, yes. So it extends to just, uh, yeah, from the fellowship itself, it's a lifelong community. You'll be bound by your specific cohort and to the entire community at large. Uh, they have a, 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 an on-deck um, Slack community where you can ask questions, where um, any job opportunities, anything that um, you might always have, these people are to give you um, assistance and help whenever you need it. And it, it, it transcends the one-year fellowship uh, uh, course. And apart from that, they actually have some partners um, that you can work with and they have very good, they've arranged some discounts uh, that you can uh, get since you're part of the community. So it's all, all around quite a great um, community to be in. So you mentioned earlier on in our conversation, uh, you know, how you came to develop a very collaborative working style and uh, you seem to continue with that. Uh, at the same time, you have stepped into new roles. You're now managing you know, your first direct reports. You are a part of this incredible fellowship program. Uh, your ability to contribute and influence uh, at, the, at the executive level of Pula is continuing to increase. So I'm curious, uh, have you reflected at all on how your leadership style or, or just general management style has started to evolve? Well, yes. Um, in, in the two ways to look at, to look at it. Um, my leadership style and personality has been further uh, refined and strengthened. Um, because my personality type, I'm more of a people and task oriented with a collaborative style of leadership. And what has changed here is the self-awareness. Self-awareness to know that uh, my this is my default setting. This is my default approach to leadership and people management. And this does not work in all instances. So it's what has changed or transgressed through the, my career is being able to know what I, what I really am. And what I need to be in order to, to get what I'm looking for. Um, so it's, it's, it's just about pivoting and self-awareness. That's how I've transcended throughout my career journey. Just as we wrap up, uh, I'm curious, you know, given the exposure and visibility you have in your various uh, circles, are there any trends that you are seeing either, you know, in the sector that Pool operates in or the, the wider, you know, future of work? Um, uh, perspective that you feel are, are being overlooked or underappreciated? Um, yeah, uh, one, one of the things that have come along with this um, in terms of lockdowns and uh, working from home, uh, we've noted uh, is the digitization of end-to-end -end work streams. Um, and this, it, it doesn't only just bring about efficiency and costs reduction as many people would uh, think about it, but it's also to establish a standardized process and a way of getting standardized results. 
Um, another key fact here is the preservation of uh, institutional knowledge through uh, digitization. And once, in my perspective, once a process is digitized, then you can have a more, cons more constructive discussions around process improvement, uh, establishing uh, performance metrics. And one really great maxim to remember here is uh, whatever is measured can be managed and whatever can be managed can be improved. So this, this, this is one of the realizations we've had and we've uh, so far in Pula in the past year, we've been uh, digitizing end-to-end -end work streams and this enables remote work and it facilitates it quite well. And I think this is something of value that other uh, institutions, organizations can try and adopt. Do you have a specific <laughs> example of like a process that you have digitized recently and to end that you maybe initially, you know, just a few years ago would have thought could have been a lot more difficult or even impossible? Um, yeah, we can highlight some of the more technical work that Pula does and um, this uh, goes about from our, our pricing mechanism for, 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 for insurance business and the products. So the entire Pula has this proprietary product called pricing engine called PI. PI is short for an acronym for Pula Insurance Engine. And it's a digital way to, uh, to have pricing, uh, insurance pricing. And it's a two-way process whereby um, uh, people in Pula can put in a request for a quote and we can actually place the risk with reinsurers to this product. And uh, apart from that, uh, it's the actual field work that uh, we do and which I'm sure you're very familiar with. And all this data is collected from the field using um, uh, mobile phones. And this data is sent through, um, it's, it's sent over to the cloud and we have a BI engine that will check for data quality and uh, apply vigorous tests just to ensure that the data is actually usable for us. And all this is end-to-end, -end. the entire process is completely uh, digitized. And the, the information that will come in, it's, it's cleaned out, it's uh, checked for uh, 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 data quality. And after that, it's used for generating payout reports. So you can see the entire work stream has been digitized and we can do this and replicate it at scale uh, because we don't need to have uh, physical or, or Excel sheets or whatever uh, to get this uh, data across. That's uh, really great to hear and uh, fascinating that you know you touched on both you know the you know typical administrative processes, but also a certain data streams that are, are central to your actual product, uh, which is obviously very impactful in terms of uh, democratizing access to insurance for, for smallholder farmers and even commercial farmers and obviously also timely as you uh, expand your model to places like brazil and and southeast asia and things will obviously you know be harder to do in a more uh, hands-on way uh, as you have the, so many different teams and products okay. being rolled out with different types of clients so Glad that this is something that Pula is focused on and is seeing big wins early on. Thank you so much for opening up today and sharing about uh, not only Pula, but your own professional journey. It's really inspiring to see that uh, you're growing so quickly and uh, you know, seeing a lot of uh, wins happening uh, in your role and at the company uh, and wishing you well with the rest of your on-deck fellowship. and. Uh, looking forward to continuing to follow you on your journey uh, and uh, best of luck. Thank you so much, Chris. It's, 
been a lot and a pleasure to be here and to chat with you. Hopefully, we'll get some time uh, to discuss about progression at a later date. But thank you so much. Uh,